Hey, welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers podcast. And I have invited my teacher that became my lifelong friend. And when your teacher becomes your lifelong friend, you have them on your podcast. The first 14 years of my life were actually without this fellow in them. But ever since then, he's been a presence second to none, pretty much. Though I don't get to see him often, we do speak and stay in touch just like family would. When I was in high school, I had the honor and the privilege of being tutored by two fabulous men, and he was one of them. He was an English teacher as well as an assistant director and acting teacher in the theater and English departments of Montclair High School. I did not get to have him as my teacher, but I encountered him as a director at Montclair High School, along with Tim Tackett, who was the official, I guess, uh, drama teacher there. And he will be on the podcast sometime soon. But I hold a very dear place for this guest. His name is Mike Kramer. He is my friend full on. And so is his wife. And uh, I knew his wife in high school. And then she ended up marrying Mike. Um, I, 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 I have a lot of support in my life and a lot of beautiful and wonderful people, but it, the way in which he supported me um, is really critically linked to my being a professional actress. And we'll explain that in a little bit, but this guy's just genuinely cool. Uh be- a beautiful strapping man tall, now silvery white hair, but in the day, just this dark, beautiful head of hair and and a big build, used to be a football player, but um, warm and kind and um, super smart. And I just did not have any clue that when I had the him around in high school, when I was around him and when he was directing me, that he would play such a part in my life and that he would continue to be um, such a significant part of my life and then really like family. So um, he has sort of somewhat politely uh, kicked and screamed uh, at low volume about not really wanting to do the podcast. He's probably on the shire side of the scale, but... Uh, he somehow, with a little bit of coaxing from me and maybe a tidge from his wife, he said yes. And the greatest thing about having this podcast is when it's my podcast. So I get to do with it what I want, but I get to spend time formally sharing um, these beautiful people in my life with you. But I will admit that the thrill of it for me is just getting to sit and visit with them intentionally, um, setting aside time and asking questions that perhaps I never otherwise would have asked or revisiting a story about us or what have you. So, um, I can't wait for you to get to visit with Mike Kramer, one of the sweetest of the sweetest. You're recording. You see it. Yay. 
there. Okay, I'm going to say Mr. Kramer because that's what I had to first call you uh, for a good portion of, um, of knowing you. Um, I've let the audience in a little bit on how we met. We met at Montclair High School. Yes, indeed. Uh, and how, tell me, so I met you in 78, I believe. It was the fall of 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, but You'd how right. long had you been at Montclair High School before you met, before I came there? I started at Montclair in the fall of 71. Oh, wow. So I've been there a number of years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I spent a year and a half, te- I spent a year and a half teaching at the women's prison, interestingly, and then, um, came over to Montclair where I had been a student. So I came, I, you know, welcome back Cotter kind of thing. I came back to where... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I forgot you were a student there. Yeah, yeah. So, you were a cavalier as well. Yes, indeed. And so, you know, some of the people who became my peers had been my teachers, which was really kind of interesting at the time. So, yeah, so I'd been there a few years before we met. Um, you know, so I told you that before I <clears throat> got into this, you, got, you and I had a little moment um, just to talk, and you were... And I'm not blowing smoke. You and your wife, Cheryl, in my list of friends are of the dearest. It's definitely mutual. We, we love you so much. I thank you. And I, I feel that. And I, um, but I want to brag on you. You were, um, well, first of all, you were a lovely human being. <laughs> oh, dear. Thank you. Um, you are, um, first of all, such a presence physically, uh, a strapping fellow. Um, and, uh, I, I just know that when you came in the room, you noticed that you were in the room in great part, because like I said, you're just a presence, but there is a warmth to you that is, that even surpasses this physical being. Your warmth is like this halo thing around you and this beautiful voice. I know in my first wedding, I asked you um, to read and I could not have imagined not having you in that and I'm getting ahead of myself but this this voice but the care that you gave us as students and this friendly welcoming I know as I was saying to you before I press record I heard Oprah say something today um, about when she hears and learns that someone is a teacher she just gushes all over them because of the power that they have to bring good to humanity and then just the the sort of limited generosity i know not all teachers are going to hit it out of the park like you do but what led you to to want to teach because you know you think of things like um um the medical profession and and people that are in ministry and people that touch people's lives but a teacher yeah well it, it was kind of an accident to begin with. I was, uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. And my mother, who was an RN and owned, uh, ran a, a home for mentally disabled children, and we had lived there for many, many years, had wanted me to go to be a nurse also. Interestingly, my brother became an, uh, an RN, but I didn't. But she, I spent six months 
in running a, a, a home for disabled children in Long Beach to see that somebody else owned, to see whether it was a match, and it wasn't. And um, I wanted to go back to school, and I realized that I could do that if I substituted. So I got, I, I went to substitute, and the first, the first time I was interviewed, the guy said, would you like to teach full-time at the prison? And I said, sure. So I, I started teaching at the women's prison, and I was there for a solid year and a half. There was no summer vacation or anything. And I just really loved it. I mean, I, I, the, the exchange, um, it was new to me because I didn't, had never, I'd been raised rather, you know, um, carefully. And, and, and uh, so these, these women taught me all kinds of interesting things about life and so on. And then when the, they, were, they were closing down or they were letting go some people and I applied at the Chafee District, where Montclair is, which Montclair is part of, and I was accepted back at Montclair High and I started teaching there and fell in love with the students. I mean, I just, I, I, I enjoyed it so much and I got, I'm sure that I got so much more out of all the students than I've ever been able to contribute. But I taught English for a long time and drama and, you know, even computers and some other stuff and coaching football and so it just was it was kind of serendipitous you know that I fell into a job that was what I think perfect for me oh so perfect Used your ability to communicate and so you taught English and the hop skip and jump and connection to that in drama so I didn't get the privilege of having you as an English teacher um, and I'm not and I know I had honors English, so I, I'm not sure why I didn't make your round. And I remember always being a little bit jealous, but I got to um, engage with you because you also directed shows there at um, Montclair High School. And my first, my first play that I've ever done was, was with you. Was that right? Was Black Comedy? No. It was which? It was, uh, 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 a, a, a lesser note. <laughs> the incredible incident at Carson. Yes, right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I got to cry. I mean, I, I and I was like, I, I, I played the mother of the uh, the young. I think it was the young boy that um, had been had had gone through an accident or right. Yeah. His life. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, it was, yeah, that, it's hard to, kind of for me to remember that particular plot that's so long, long ago. But I mean, I got, I got inducted into the whole idea of theater and we used a scrim and, um, and uh, you know, it's kind of very applicable even to right now and today that the storyline, it was a, um, an African-American um, janitor that they were, that was on trial for possibly they, it was, uh, and of course they, you know, the storyline that it, it, that was completely false. And, but it was the telling of that whole trial. And um, I played the mother that was listening in on a lot of it, but all of that aside, um, the experience with you was just, you know, it was like, so your, cause your connection to theater came from what? Well, I, I, <laughs> my senior year in high school, um, I tried out for the varsity basketball team, um, and, and I had not played the year before. I'd taken a year off, and um, he, the 
the uh, coach cut me, and I didn't want to go home because I knew my mother would make me work if I went home. You know the story. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was in the office just kind of commiserating with the secretaries like I used to, and um, the the custodian came in and or not custodian the head proctor came in and said, oh, "Well, they're having auditions right now for the play." And I said, they are. And he said, yeah, why don't you go try out? So I did, and I got the lead, and that started the whole thing. So that, and so I was, that play was in February, and then I got the next play, got in that. And when I went to college, uh, I spent a year uh, just acting, and then I played football again after that. But then I would act in plays all through college. And so when I got teaching at Montclair, Tackett, Tim Tackett, who is my mentor, was already teaching drama, and I said to him after watching the first play, can I help? And he said, absolutely. And so he invited me in, welcomed me in, and he became my mentor, teach, you know, watching him and learning from him how to direct, because I'd never done anything like that. And slowly he, over the years, he turned over more and more, and then he really basically stopped directing and got into his martial arts, and then I became the director. So uh, that's, that's the process that it went through. Um, and you, um, as an actor, you still have uh, the chops for it and have found yourself, I don't know how recent, but I mean, you found yourself even picking up some little television stuff and things like that. That's, that's kind of funny. I've got, you know, we're, we've moved north to, to Washington, and I've gotten, in the last two weeks, I've gotten three calls from Central Casting asking if I'd be available for... Um, American story, American detective or something like that for a series, and I'd have to be there on such and such a day. Well, I, I had to let them know that I don't live in California anymore. <laughs> I, I did some, after, after graduating, after retiring, um, I did some TV work and then um, was also in the um, Shakespearean play, uh, Taming the Shrew, at the, the Playhouse in Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah. And and got to be in that. Yeah, no, I saw you in that. <laughs> yeah, I know you're you are quite something. I mean, you just just so that people, I will make sure that we get a chance to see what you look like for my viewers. But you're striking, and I, I noted that you've let your hair grow a little bit. But have always, at least since I've known you, have always had this beautiful beard and a beautiful head of hair and uh, broad shoulders. You mentioned you played football. I love the fact that you have that well-rounded aspect um, to you and so what what do you think that so could you have gone the route of playing more ball in college um, yeah I could have continued but I you know I just kind of ran out of interest at, you know playing uh, in, the, in the college ball and so I I just went totally into the theater as my extracurricular and then you know, student government and all those kinds of things, you right, know, that right. did that. But yeah, but I, I love football so much that once I started teaching at the high school, I started coaching. And so I coached in the first part of the year, obviously football season. And then as soon as it was over, I, for the last two plays of the year, I was in the drama department. Yeah. So, and then eventually when I moved high schools, I didn't coach at all once I left Montclair and went to the other high schools and only did theater. Right. Um, I know some of the um, highlights of just after graduating that you would invite me to, um, to, to come back and say a few things to your students. I just want to let the audience know that really my, my professional career is 
in great part uh, because of you. Um, I know, and, and Tim, Tim, you both, you and Tackett, um, just were iconic in my teenage years and high school years. Um, and both of you very encouraging of me. And I think I was a little bit of a lost, I don't say a lost soul, but I just didn't understand what I really wanted. I was afraid of a lot of things and stuff in my late, like my senior year. But it was actually a show that we did after, um, like a, you guys brought back some oldies but goodies to do Godspell. Godspell, yeah. Yeah. And it was after, and um, that, I think I was 18, pushing 19 when we did that. It was after graduating. Um, and it was after a rehearsal, you are in the middle of a rehearsal on a break, you, you, called me over and we were actually rehearsing on Montclair stage. Right. Um, and you said that you had seen and read about um, a conservatory audition at South Coast Rep. And you, I remember so clearly where I was standing on the stage and you said, do it for me. Will you audition for me? And of course you could have asked me to walk on coals back then <laughs> and still now. And so I did. And that opened up, it just, well, the story's a long one, but, um, so I, you are in, in, like I said, great part responsible for me being an actress. And when I say that, I kind of get choked up. Um, and then all these years later, we still have this fondness and affection for each other. And oh. well, so you, I can't help. I can't say thank you enough. Well, but, I mean, you were a delight. And you were, you know, you talk about your fears, but you were a teenager. Yeah, but that's what comes at, at that point in life, I think, for many of them, many kids. And your talent was so extraordinary and so visible to us. And when I read that, you know, that, that uh, article about the conservatory, I thought it would be a perfect match for you to go be able to, I knew you'd be accepted. There was no question in my mind. And it you know, it was so fun to see what you did down there and where you've gone since then. It's, you know, you've you've done what I thought you could do. You know, you, you've got such great talent. And that's for my, you know, my teaching career. That's been the joy. My students, I've had been so lucky to have so many wonderful students, uh, you know, acting, talented, who are doing great things, but also people who've become doctors and lawyers and the whole breadth, you know, and, and that's the joy of teaching is the, is the whole student thing. If if my back had not gone out of me, I'd have taught maybe five more years, I thought, but I, I couldn't stand the pain anymore. But but the teaching was such a delightful thing to do, you know, and because of all the amazingly talented kids that came through. And, um, you know, the impact that you have on lives um, shows in the years later that so many of your students just kind of cling to you and stay in contact with you and follow up with you. And what do you attribute to that? I, I, I don't know. Just a lot of luck on my part and, and trying, you know, when we're student teacher, I, I want to be there for them and, and encourage them and, and provide an opportunity for the talents that they have to grow and to experiment. And, you know, when we direct, direct a play, I really 
don't, you know, I know that some people direct to play, they come into it completely, you're going to move here, and you're going to stand there, and you're going to say it this way, and really direct, and, and I tried never to do that. I wanted the kids to have an investment to use their own uh, abilities and their own perceptions and grow and, and find things and, and contribute to the play. So I hope that that process made it available, made kids see that I was available for them, you know, yeah. to be oh, sure. helpful. Now, hearing you share that, that had to be part of it because I think then, um, the, you know, the, like I shared in the onset of this podcast, just the essence of you is, is, you know, you're not a pushover. And I don't think, you know, anyone <laughs> would challenge you, but you do immediately feel your warmth and, um, and the accessibility of who you are as a person. I know that over the years, and particularly, you know, we've, the, this past year is not one to ever look back on and say for any kind of referencing, but um, in, your, in all of your years, can you comment on the power of theater on the lives of students? Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I can't count the number of students who post-graduation as adults have, when they've seen me or written to me or we've talked on Facebook or whatever, have commented that the only reason they graduated was because they were connected to the theater, that how, how they came to dropping out or, you know, some had family lives that were troublesome some you know were individually just having like you had fears and so on and that they said you know and i can only go by what they tell me but they said they found a safe space and a space they could explore creativity and and so on and and some of them went on you know i've got like five or six people who are teaching theater now some teaching math and others doing other things and and i think they all felt that that was a place where they could learn about themselves. Mm. You know, that was the theater was a place where they could explore their own feelings and understand the feelings of others, and to you know, to experience that fear and joy of being on the stage or working backstage and getting responsibility. That's the one thing Tackett taught me, and we we did all the things that we would get as much responsibility as the kids could take. You know, to, and give them the opportunity to build and to, to run the show, lighting and sound and all that kind of stuff, rather than direct them to do it, you know, kind of thing. So I think that gave a lot of kids that, you know, one guy I met, he's now a sheriff, L.A. County Sheriff, and he, he's a mentor to a lot of um, um, poor kids in the sheriff department. He takes them, teaches them scuba diving and stuff like that. And we ran into each other, and, and he said the thing that struck him was that I trusted him as a student to give him the key to the theater to work, to work on his own. Yeah, you know, to finish some stuff in the set, and that the idea that an adult would trust him, kind of at least according to him, changed, you know, some direction in his life. And now he's, you know, he's a sheriff doing that for other kids. You know, I just had a memory that you uh, gave me a responsibility, um, uh, and I, I. I can't believe I haven't thought about this since then. Um, you gave me the responsibility 
uh, asked me if I wanted it of organizing the costume room upstairs where you had uh -huh. to climb the ladder up and, then, yeah, yeah. and you know, and which that was the most uh, trepidatious part of it. But um, I just remember taking pride in the fact that that responsibility had been given to me and how. You know, I appreciate costumes. This is no joke, Mike. I appreciate costumes to this day um, and what they add to a character and how I feel in them and the transition that I make when I get into a costume, what that adds to. But it goes back to those days of carefully um, organizing and sectioning up period-wise a lot of those costumes up in the costume room at Montclair High School. I have not thought of that <laughs> since then. And that is so cool to hear you say that. That's like proof of the pudding. You know, I want to go back just a second. Your investment in me beyond the years, and I know we had a friendship, but I kind of want to ask you, other than I think you love me and like me, I just want to ask you why you. maybe you did it. I remember coming to your house. You're married to my friend Cheryl, and mm -hmm. I came to your house, and you guys um, sat in the living room, and you worked with me on my monologue before I auditioned for South Coast Repertory. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, like this was like you helped take ownership even in what your investment in me and what prompted you to be so generous. I mean, I, I don't think I took it for granted then, but it was just like a personal director that invited me into your home and like spent these hours helping me refine what ultimately developed into a career. You know, it, it was the, right thing to do I don't know I just I wanted to help I wanted to be there for you and and um, you know I, I liked you and and wanted you to succeed so if I could help in any way I wanted to be there for you well you did and if I haven't said thank you enough I want to say thank you now right. such a vivid memory um, of, of you and the other thing is you would laugh at me the one of the monologues was um humorous and then the and uh and i think there were three pieces that i had to do one that leaned towards comedy the other one i think you suggested which was um tell me that you love me junie moon it was a right. piece from that and we pieced something together and then it was maybe the nurse from Shakespeare from Romeo and Juliet. I think I'm not gonna let, we're going to talk about Shakespeare um, because you know it uh, like nobody's business. But um, you would guffaw. You and Cheryl were the best audience and so sincere. So I knew that you weren't yanking my chain. But if I hit your hit something funny and it hit your funny bone, it sure did make me feel good that I was on the right track. I just will never forget. So let's talk about Shakespeare. Oh, <laughs> um, you look like someone right out of any Shakespeare play there's ever been. I mean, you just sort of fit that in your own presence. But where does the love affair come from? It, um, I think that my senior English teacher at Montclair High School, uh, doc, not doctor, but Mr. Roy Seville, we read, well, actually, we had read Shakespeare in sophomore and junior year, too. But Seville was... He, he was such a wonderful man and what a wonderful teacher and we read Hamlet 
and he let me be a, a big reader, you know, probably Hamlet himself. And, and it just struck me how absolutely stunning not only the language, but the insight, and the, the, even though it's 400 years old, the understanding and universality of his characters and the things that they go through and believe and feel. And so I, when I went to college, I took every Shakespeare course I could and, you know, and have always been you know, in love with Shakespeare. And so when I got a chance, and, and you know, I was afraid to, but Tackett kept saying, you can do it, you can do it. So I directed Shakespeare at the high school level and since then have, you know, directed it any number of times, various plays at the high school level. And, and I have to say, I, the kids rise. That's one thing that I love about kids. They rise to your expectations more often than not. If, you know, if you, if you think, well, kids can't do it, they can't. But if you say, we're going to do Shakespeare, it's amazing the effect it has on them, the responsibility that they take, and and um, you know the the Shakespeare productions have been that we've been able to put on were wonderful, exciting, fun, you know, and so it just has grown. You know, if you you've been in our house, you know that I've got you know, a whole library of Shakespeareana and and you know posters and. Um, busts and everything of Shakespeare. I just, and Cheryl loves Shakespeare too, a great deal. So between the two of us, we're just Shakespeare-holics, you know. What are some, or is one, however, whatever comes to your mind, a production that you've directed that's been one of your favorites, or that a standout for some reason? Oh my gosh. There, there are a couple that really come to mind, well, three. Um, we did a, a, a Macbeth at um, at Awanda, and and I don't know if you remember the, a gentleman named O'Brien who ran the San Diego repertory at the at the Globe Theater in San Diego, and then he moved to Broadway. He's won all kinds of Tonys and stuff, but he, I had seen in the round uh, a Macbeth that he did that just stuck with me for several years, and so I decided. The Etiwanda stage was really a cafetorium. I, you, did you ever see yeah, that stage? Yeah. yeah. Where, you know, they put up chairs for the audience, and we had a little stage, and backstage was the classroom. But I decided that I wanted to do Macbeth on that stage, and that his production, which only had seven actors portraying everybody, the, one actor play, played Macbeth himself, and one actor played Lady Macbeth, but then the other five actors combined to play all the other characters. And it struck me that this environment was perfect for that because it was a, you know, close, wasn't a big stage. And, and I had been so affected by his production in the round that this was very close to being in the round. I called him in San Diego, just on a whim, and he wasn't there. He was in New York working on some big production, but the secretary took my name and number, and we started production, and I got a call from him one night. He called me back. <laughs> And we spent, we spent an hour and I told him what I was thinking of doing. And he was the most generous, most um, um, encouraging person, which I think most theater people are in, underneath. And he, you know, I asked him, you know, how did he split up the roles? And he said he really couldn't remember. He had some ideas. But he really encouraged me to do that. And so we... we put on that play and it and it got some awards and it was just wonderful um at least two of those actors are now teaching drama in that you know in high school and then the the second one was at at Awanda also we did um, Richard the 3rd full production of Richard the 3rd 
Wow. And and uh, the guy who played Richard um, had also played Macbeth, and now he's he teaches at uh, he teaches some classes at Emerson University, but he's a professional actor with. And he teaches classes at various places, and, and he has toured the country and done all kinds of um, kind of strange theater for to make a change in society. I mean, he's really goal-oriented theater that's really working on racism and, and poverty and that kind of stuff. He uses theater as a, a pulpit. But he was a phenomenal Richard III, and... Um, that that worked out really well, and then um, the last one was much ado about nothing. We did at at the new the new school Los Osos, and it was we did that one in the round too. We took our big stage, we had a big beautiful theater, you know, twelve hundred seat theater, but we put it on the stage and built around it, uh, um, brought bleachers in for the audience, and so we did uh, much ado in the round, and it was so fun and so delightful, and the kids again were amazing. You know, taking on that role. Um, the thing that I that I think strikes me so much is that you um, and, and hearkening back to to Montclair, though you taught in two other schools after that and directed from there, but um, is that you chose big pieces even if it wasn't big production like 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 i remember i was not in it but i remember seeing your production of jesus christ superstar um at montclair and you know mike i mean it was so impressive of 50 in that i mean we have 50 kids in that show but but i i I, who had not seen a lot of theater in my life at that point, I just remember when I say being blown away, it's like I just melted into the theater seat. Like my, you know, my back and my butt and my arms were just in the seat going, what? And that's really when I went, could I ever do anything like that? I just, you know, my mind was, um, I'd been funny. I'd been, you know, I'd uh, done little things around family to make people laugh and stuff, but I just did not, I was so moved, but it was such a huge effort. And did you ever bat a lash at taking on something like that? Oh, always, you know, you yeah, second thoughts. Uh, two weeks before production, you know it's going to be the most horrible thing that's ever happened. But it, it's the doldrums there. And then it turns out, um, why didn't I invite the world? I, you know, um, I want to talk about Tackett as my mentor because he was pr primarily the director and Superstar, and I was kind of a co-director. Uh, one of the things that I learned from him just watching was he did a production of Diary Van Frank, and I helped. Um, we did a multimedia. We we went out. We took we took the actors and we took the younger siblings of the actors who played Anne and her sisters. So we had the younger siblings and took pictures of the family before the Holocaust began. What kind of lovely people they were and picnicking and so on. And then we took pictures of of them that were we sh we would show on these giant screens above their heads, showing their life being silent, you know, between the scenes and stuff. And and that when the that show ended, when the when the when when it went dark, the audience would sit in stone silence. Nobody moved. You could hear sniff sniffing. You know, it was it was so moving that 
that if I hadn't at that point, up to that point, I knew after that that I, I had to do theater for as long as I could, could because it was such an enormous, uh, uh, effective piece. And, and the two of us put that together, and it was just oh, so amazingly fun and moving and, and fulfilling to see the effect it could have on people, you know. There's another one. Can I tell you one more? Oh, please, please, please. We did uh, uh, my last, I think it was my last production at, at, at Awanda High School. Again, we instead of being on that small near cafetorium stage, we built a stage in the middle of the cafetorium and then put seats around it to make it, you know, we had a close, they couldn't feed, feed kids that way any, for about a week. But anyway, and we did uh, Shakespeare's Measure for Measure, which is a problem play, which is tough. But we had amazing kids. And, and that we had, you know, this beautiful stage that the kids built for us and, and did it in the round, this really difficult production. Now, the guy who played the lead, he was so good that one evening when he made an entrance about the third act or fourth act, there's this little old lady sitting on the aisle as he came up between them, and she leaned over toward him and yelled, You bastard! <laughs> <laughs> Because his character was <laughs> so he, he was creating such a marvelous character that she, you know, accepted him as that. Now that actor now is big time. I mean, he's an opera director. He's he's uh, um, the artistic director at the Long Beach Opera. He is uh, at the L.A. Chamber Orchestra. He's one of their artistic director there. He's he's gone on to move into the field of opera, but as a director and so on. And he was marvelous in high school, just phenomenal. Oh my gosh, what a story. I, um, you know, I, I, going back to you and Tackett, the team that you were, um, what what would you say? Because I hope to have him. We we you know just loosely touched base. I said I want to have you and Mike both on my mm -hmm. podcast. Um, uh, but the team that you were, what would you say that that your strengths and his strengths were? Because you were just this sort of true dynamic duo. Not to coin a phrase, but just um, uh, both equally powerful, but yet together, just a lovely love. Like, I don't think that a lot of us knew how privileged we were yeah. to, to work with you guys. You know, I, I, uh, and I think I've shared this with you before and I'm not sure that I've shared with him, but even in my career, as I encounter very talented directors and I've been in, um, situations, um, where I have been able to appreciate uh, super creative directors, I know that, as they say, back in the day, I was <laughs> hanging with two people who I already had experienced that kind of level of um, professionalism and creativity and um, thinking outside the box. I'd already had a taste of it. And it wasn't until I started working professionally that I went, oh, wait a minute, that's who they, you know, I just, I don't think I knew anything other than you guys. And, but to, to, to ask you, what were your feelings about the two of you as a team? I know you went on and you took your role and did a lot of things separately from him when you, um, when he moved on in his career. But um, 
what are your thoughts about getting to work like that together as a team, you and he? Well, he was extraordinarily generous, I think. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for someone who was more open and generous. And if I had an idea, he'd say, go, you, you know, you give it, you do it, go ahead. Um, you know, from the moment I said, can I help? Absolutely welcome me in. And then as we worked together, we, um, I, I think I had, it came with some, some, you know, some understandings of, of scripts and stuff and, and paying attention to what he taught in terms of the staging and that kind of thing that, that I, he really, like I said, was my mentor. And so I think we became a lot of like in our approaches to the theater. And then, you know, he got so wrapped up, you know, he's big time world famous martial artist. And that became so, uh, so much of his life that, that I felt Again, the generosity. He just said, "Go for it. It's yours. You take it now." And um, and I, by that time, I felt like I was ready to because he had been encouraging and and I had watched him and he had he had sat back and let me take over and you know we basically co-directed later on. We, you know, he was the director, but he let me have as much input as I felt I wanted to. You know, and then he stepped back and let me go. You know, so I, I owe my directorial stuff and teaching stuff to him, you know, when he retired, he gave me all of the, all of his paperwork and all of his files and stuff. And, you know, I just, I built on those and used those all the years that I taught and I taught for 42 years. So, you know, he was the ground level of that, you know, he taught me because I'd only been an actor before that. I hadn't really directed or anything. Right. I don't really acted in college. So he was my graduate school. Uh, the, the, um, the love of directing and also your your fondness for being an actor, do they compete inside you or are they complementary? Do you ever feel that you wish one or the other took a lead? Or I mean, I know one did take a lead, but I'm saying within you, do you have one that tugs at you more than another? Yeah, directing. I love I, lo I mean, that's it. I'm, I'm an okay actor, I think. I, I think I can get away with it. But I think as a director... That that's where I feel the best about myself, and I, and again, um, it's so exciting. Like the, Randy Shorts, who now is has taken the position I had at the high school at Los Osos, who was a student of mine, who's now the drama teacher. You know, and we worked together for ten years before I retired. You know, he invites me to sit in to watch via FaceTime a, a rehearsal and, and requests my input from what I see. And I, I sit in on every audition. So we talk about auditions and stuff together. And so I still, so, you know, that, that the idea of directing and, and see the ability, I think, to see a finished product as it p potentially could be is probably my strongest point if I have anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree with you. Is there something that you uh, have not directed that you, given circumstances were right and health and opportunity and all of that, that you would love to direct or have or would wish you could? Hamlet. Yes. You know, and, and Cheryl's been on my case for years. Do Hamlet, do Hamlet. And I, you know, you've, you've got to have a Hamlet 
and you know you can't do Hamlet without it. And the biggest problem has been that by the time I recognized a kid to do Hamlet, it was too late. You know, they were senior, they got the maturity, they've gotten experience, and I go, oh, we could have done Hamlet with him. But but uh, um, yeah, I'd I'd love to do that sometime with you know to to do that. But I also you know I love comedy so much. So anything Stoppard does, or you know, we did. All kinds of stoppered, stoppered stuff, and and uh, one of the I think the greatest show that I ever had an opportunity to do was Stoppard's Arcadia, and um, and we what was funny a kid a kid uh, a young man who has since passed away in a huge loss in my life, um, he came to me and said this play why don't we do this play it's closing in Los Angeles and I said you know okay, I guess we can. It, you know, it was so tough. And um, he said um, said something about getting the, the set. And I said, well, if you're willing to call them and see if we can see about the set. And he called them and they put me on and they sold us their professional set for a dollar from the Mark no. Taper Forum. Yeah. No, they, from the Mark Taper? Yes, from the Mark Taper. Oh, my. That had been produced. So they said, if you can get a truck in here on such and such a day, and fortunately, one of my kids' father has a trucking company. So we got a truck, and we took a bunch of tech kids in. And they said, well, it's nice you brought all the kids, but the union won't let anybody touch this stuff. We have to load your truck for you. So they took us on a tour of the Dorothy Chandler and the Mark Taper while the truck was loaded with their full set from the from the uh, uh, Mark Taper, which, as you know, is kind of a you know three-sided three space. So we got that all hauled back to Etiwanda, laid out all over the floor and I looked at my head tech guy and I said okay make it fit (laughs) 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 he looked at me and and grinned and and he did he made it fit on that you know a a cafetorium stage and it was a a, uh, amazing production out there are in that cast there there are now two three PhDs two teachers uh, um, of drama, another full-time actress who unfortunately has gotten ill, but she's graduated PCP. Uh, I mean, that cast was loaded, amazing, right? Amazing, and so that was. But it, you know, the kind of circumstances, and then uh, this guy, you know, Chris, prompted me again. What about the props? So I called. They said, "Oh, you want the prop? Sure, come on in. We'll give them." They called the prop lady, and I went to their ad, their uh, um, storage facility on Alameda, you know, not far from the theater, and she gave me, you know, the the turtle that moves and chairs and and stuff that we could use, and and they were so generous, you know. So the, what a cool story. The, the, I, apparently, the set cost them thirty or forty thousand dollars, and they gave it to us for a dollar, and we used pieces of that set for another ten years. <laughs> oh, Mike! I, you know, I, I think about all that. Um, well, you, you know, your 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 wife is uh, is an educator. I just think about the impact that you two have had, and. Um, in a day and an age when there's so much going on in our world and our country and in families, I I just want to say um, to all teachers out there, no matter. I mean, I think the 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 teacher that has a 
um, a heart for theater to me is a special teacher because that made such a connection with me. But I just want to say to you and to all the teachers, just a big thank you. I, I thought it was kind of interesting to hear Oprah today, knowing I was going to be spending time with you, but you know, you are so much, you're, you're, you're just big in so many ways, like I said, as an actor, as a... I'm trying to lose weight, Terry, I really am. Oh, stop. <laughs> um, uh, but then this big, beautiful voice and um, your presence as a, a teacher and a director, I don't want to leave out the fact that you have um, beautiful children. Do you want to tell us about them? Oh, yeah, I've, I have four fantastic kids. My, my oldest daughter is, is a director of special education for the Azusa Unified School District. And I know in not, not too distant future, she's going to be an assistant superintendent somewhere. She's so talented and so driven and has the most wonderful family. Her husband was, a, he was working in real estate and I encouraged him to become a teacher. And he jumped in, became a teacher and became a coach. And he's been teaching for 20 years now, I think, and coaching football and stuff. And his, my oldest grandson is playing Division Two football back in New Hampshire. And the, their oldest granddaughter is, is at, in the university. She took a year off because of the pandemic. And then the youngest of their sons is a, he's a senior at the high school where his father teaches and he wrestles and, and he's, he's, you know, really bright. The second daughter is, is an amazing young woman although she's close to 40 now, I think. I think of them as 20, you know. Yes, I do too. I, yeah. <laughs> she lives in New York, and she's a, a nationally certified um, sign language translator, you know, American Sign Language. And she works for the New York school system and also at a, a junior college where she um, does sign languages for students. And, oh, and, then, and she's so good that she, like, she got called and she would sit on the stage at the, at the Apollo Theater and do translation there for, for things going on at the Apollo Theater. I love and, it. And, and she gets called for, um, like, um, oh, some, uh, I can't think of his name, um, famous newsman who's just, who retired, who was having a book opening, and she got called to sign for him at the book opening at, you know, one of the universities. And so she does all kinds of amazing things, and, you know, just, and she lives in the Bronx and works in New York. Um, my oldest son is a programmer, computer programmer, and he, one of the big reasons we moved up to Washington because he moved up here and got married and we knew that there would be children coming along and they have the beautiful little three-year-old who is a sharp little character and so much fun. <laughs> You've seen some of her stuff. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I am absolutely in love with her. Your Cheryl will send me clips and I cannot get over. She's stunning, but she's so bright and such a great sense of humor and just a cutie. So that has to color your life big time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, this COVID thing has been a real damper, but we, you know, we try to, we're getting more and more contact now. In fact, I think we're babysitting tomorrow while they move to a new house. And my youngest son is is a tech person for a company where he maintains computers and stuff like that, and, and uh, he studies martial arts under Tackett. And, and, uh, he does? Yeah, and he got married a couple years ago, and, and with the, his wife is a psychologist, and, and uh, you know, they they live in Ontario, and they do great, you know, wonderful things. Yeah, wonderful oh, kids. Goodness. Phenomenal 
family. Yeah. I'm so lucky. Yeah, you are. And and Cheryl um, is a beauty. And, you know, it's kind of weird. I know that when I look in the mirror, I see things about myself that change over the years, as we all do. But when I look at you, and I mean this sincerely to both of you, there might be a little change in a hair color or what have you. But the both of you are just uh, youthful and vibrant. And I just want and my hope and prayer is that for many, many more years for me to enjoy you as friends and for you to, uh, I, the last time I got to see you, I was up doing some stuff with Eunice in the area and getting, and just had a chance to have dinner at your home. But the other day, this is so true. And then we can come to a close here. Cause I know I'm going to have you back. You are so awesome. We could talk forever. Um, that, uh, I had a daydream that I was in your home. This is like a wish list kind of thing. I was in your home and I know y'all get a lot of rain up there. Yeah. And, and the daydream was, wouldn't it be fun to be laying, watching a movie on what, this is the kind of friend I consider you guys to be laying comfortable on your sofa, covered up and it's raining outside and we're watching a movie and visiting. I know that when I graduated high school, I used to hang out with you guys. Like right. I, you were like, I, you were the best company ever and you still are so i am going to keep my vision of that in my head and then you texted me i texted you and you texted that a picture of your fireplace burning and i was like oh my goodness Here absolutely that's it's ready for you anytime and we you know watch on the big screen watch a movie together and enjoy company um you know it's such a delight to be with you and we certainly it's the biggest you know, I love living up here. I don't miss a 105 degree weather in, you know, in either California. I'm sure Arizona gets there too. Um, but but um, we moved up here. One of the biggest thing is that for me, losing physical contact. Like I, if I were there, I used to go over to the high school and 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 pester Randy. You know, sit in the classroom and and and, and kind of hang out and, and see former students because you know I've former students they're not students anymore like you like you are i've got tons of friends now you know right and i know that 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 was a hindrance i made many trips back and forth of california and you guys were either en route or what have you that i could get a chance to see you but you know we will um thank goodness for zoom but yeah. people, i it's i'm gonna get back up there again hopefully sooner than not and have that opportunity we've all been in a in a in a space where um we just are maintaining our own um but uh i love you and i thank you so much for the impact that you've had on my life and oh. i'm getting chopped up <laughs> well and, and the impact you've had on ours i mean you are such a delightful person and our very very dear friend you know we love you so much and i love you too and um, I will, don't go away. I'm going to stop recording, but I wanted to say a, a personal goodbye to you when we're not recording. And then we'll do this again. Like, I don't know, maybe we can break down a piece of Shakespeare. There's so much to be said to us today from his words that I would love to do that. And mm -hmm. no better person but you to maybe break that down. Are you open? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> a little scared. <laughs> We'll see. I know you like, I kind of had you're between your wife and myself. We had to sort of nudge you to do this, but hopefully you'll consider. Well, I love you, Mike. Hang on. I'm going to stop the recording and then we'll okay. say bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I am going to have to bribe him to 
come back on and we can maybe read some Shakespeare or some poems or what have you. I just need to do that. He, um, as I gave a nod to, he did read uh, a lot of passages on love in my first wedding, um, ending with the chapter in Corinthians on love from the Bible. But his voice is, as you can tell, it's just so warm and inviting. So uh, it was it was a highlight of that service. I'll get him back on here somehow. But am I not just a blessed Chiquita banana? I have really wonderful people in my life. And thank you for listening and, and wanting to share in them. That's a thrill to me too. Have a great day. Whatever this day may bring you, lean into it and enjoy it to the fullest. And we'll catch up with each other next week. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.